Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. This is Blog Talk Radio, where we have the K factor, where K equals kindness, and the factors are all the things that lead to it. And it is also Partners in Excellence Media, where I've assembled the influencers, people who I know, like, and trust, actually who I know, like, love, and trust, who have got great minds, big hearts, tremendous spirits, and a capacity to communicate that impresses me as well as their audiences. And so here on Tuesdays, it's called Tuesdays with my good friend and one of my favorite business partners, Richard Flint. Hello, Richard Flint. How are you this morning? I am very good. All of my personalities are in alignment, so this is a good day. You know, you have faith when all of your personalities are not in alignment. And so what happens is you find yourself fighting with yourself because one of your personalities wants to rule the day. But you've got to make sure all of your personalities, and we all have at least four personalities. Right, like the coyote, the tiger, the bear, the giraffe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so here we are on, on our show, which is called, it initially was called Talks with, Tuesday Talks with Richard Flint, and then we decided it was really funny, because I love it, because we're so raucous in here, because we're so impassioned. Richard and I have large skulls, and we have big brains that reside within, and they just go. Apparently <laughs> need coffee. So we were in here, we were talking and talking about how do we really describe what we do. And we realized that we really needed to give ourselves permission in here. So our show is called No Apologies. <laughs> well, too many people apologize when they shouldn't. Yeah. I mean, we all, we all have beliefs. And sometimes what happens, Deb, is that people tend to state a belief and then they, they get nervous because of what they've said. So they apologize to the person. But you should, a human should never apologize for what they believe. Because if you, if you apologize for what you believe, it comes across not as a belief, but in, as an opinion. And uh, okay. I don't apologize for my beliefs on any front. So what is the difference, Richard, between a belief and an opinion? Because I think people are sitting out there thinking, <clears throat> first of all, it's, it's, it's my perspective, and so it's the truth. You know, it's my opinion, so that makes it real. So what's the difference between an opinion and a belief? Let's get people sophisticated with us here. Well, for me, a belief is a truth that I build my life on. Ah. An opinion is a thought that I really haven't processed before I say it. Okay. All right. And so... When we are in here today and we're talking about our beliefs, these are things, I, I like the way that you describe that. The, the things that you and I come in here and talk about are things that we've given a lot of thought to, a lot of heart to, we've lived it, and we have a lot of conviction and a lot of passion as part of our mission. Well, what I see what we talk about, Deb, is for me, we talk about reality. And we talk about uh, the truth of what is. And, uh, again, we don't apologize for uh, what we feel. We don't apologize for what we believe in. Uh, We don't apologize for how we say what we say. Uh, Because, you know, 
Too many people, the confusion in their life is because they're not based on a foundation of belief. Uh, and if, I, if I'm not based on a foundation of belief, then I'm always concerned someone's going to take what I say wrong. But uh, if I'm based on a foundation of belief, you're going to hear what you want to hear. Mm-hmm. And you know what's also interesting, Deb, that you can challenge my beliefs, and I, and I will work with you. But most people, you can't challenge their opinions because they haven't thought it through. And so they get upset if you. I had this happen to me uh, last night. I had dinner with some friends, and we were talking about what's going on in our world today. And, um, you know, all of a sudden, here came all these opinions. Uh-huh. And when I challenged them, they got frustrated with me. <laughs> because it was words coming out that they hadn't thought through. How did you... How do you manage it? You know, one of the things I, I really admire about you is that you are really willing with gentility, but with conviction to take risks with people. And it's a very successful approach when when you're counseling people for sure. And then even then it's risky. But how how did you deal with that? Did they understand the difference and did they were they able to hear you? No, they weren't able to hear me because, you know, when when you state an opinion to me and I challenge that opinion, then I'm, I'm challenging it with basically, why are you saying that way? Do you really, are you really listening to yourself? Do you really feel that what you're saying is what you really believe? Yeah. And so many times what happens, their opinion is what they have been brainwashed to accept. Uh, it's not what they thought through and say and tell themselves, this is a truth I want to base my life upon. Uh, you know, and you know, I, I get this all the time from people. You know, where do, where do you get this from? And I tell people that the foundation of my life is built upon my theological training. It's based on, on my belief in the Bible and that everything I do uh, for me, has a biblical background to it, and you know, so that's where I base that's where I base my life. Everybody bases their life from somewhere that they've come from. Absolutely, you know, and I don't think this is interesting because the topic that we want to focus on today, that we agreed upon in advance, is one of pace, and mm-hmm. and and in order to have a pace that you can establish, you you know, it's just like when you go out to take a walk. You have to know what you're going to be walking on in order to establish a pace. Well, am I going to be walking on concrete or the grass or a mountain or the beach? Where Or am I going to be walking in the water? Where is What's my terrain for that pace? And one of the things that I see right now is that so many people have no foundation. They don't have a core upon which things were intentionally built. Am I mistaken? No, because we're, we're governed today mostly by, you know, negative fear. And negative fear, uh, you know, it makes the terrain look different than what it might really be. Uh, and point. so as long as we live in that world of negative fear, uh, we approach life with 
um, the foundation of not worry and uncertainty. And this is this is what I see. I was talking, I was telling you that I just got back from a 90-minute massage. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah, um, yeah, I heard that. Yeah, and I was talking to uh, my masseuse buddy, and we were talking about this. We were talking about how many people today, you know, they're not living in a world where they're concerned. They're living in a world where they're fearful. Mm-hmm. And there's a big difference. When when I'm concerned, I pay attention. Yep, yep, that's right. And when I'm fearful, I react to my perception. And what I'm seeing out there today is a tremendous amount of reaction to people's perceptions. That's very interesting. I always love the way that you take a a thought, identify the words to describe that, tie it into the behavior, and come up with an explanation that then you can actually tangibly work with. I don't think that um, I don't think people stop to consider that. Because what what they do is they staunchly defend, this is my opinion, I'm entitled to it. Well, okay, then talk about it. Well, I tell people all the time, you're entitled to your opinion and you're entitled to be wrong. So, <laughs> so here we are to let you know. <laughs> and most of the time that will shut them up in a hurry. So the idea behind pace, I really love, and and I I had written in the write-up about the show today, um, Simon and Garfunkel, slow down, you move too fast. And one of the things that in the midst of in the midst of anything, I always am looking for, okay, what's what's the golden part of this? What is it that's an opportunity for something that's really a sacred blessing that maybe it looks horrible to me right now? But what am I here to learn from this experience? And one of the things <laughs> excuse me, that I've noticed, uh, oh, thank you for taking a drink of water for me. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, I figured you needed it. <laughs> one of the things I've noticed about this year that's been a massive benefit, not just for me, but kind of for me, is not only am I moving at a different pace, and I po- my pace is never really frenetic anyway, because I just don't. You know, I want I want my time alone to be able to think and do and feel and produce. But it's really for me because other people have had a completely different pace. And I've gotten to know some other people that if their pace hadn't hadn't really slowed and shifted, and if they hadn't gotten in the groove of that new pace of slowness and contemplation and discernment, we would have never intersected. We would have never had a moment because they would have just flown by, you know, and there wouldn't have been an opportunity. So I'm thinking in terms of pace, very, very important, essential. Yeah. When, when I work with my, uh, my mentoring students, uh, the very first thing that I have to help them understand is the meaning and the power of pace. That majority of all of the confusion that we have in our life, is because we're moving faster emotionally than we are mentally. And uh, I, I tell people this all the time. Pace is not about speed. Pace is about being able to manage the environment, the terrain of the environment that you are, you're living in. Mm-hmm. 
Now that's very, that's very intriguing. I have not yet heard you talk about this. Say more. Yeah. Well, when when you and I can't manage the terrain, the environment, then we tend to react to what is going on around us. It's it's the difference that between you and I living from our emotions up or our mind down. And when I'm when I'm when I'm living from my mind down, I have peripheral vision because life doesn't happen in front of us. Life happens all around us. Yeah, really. The terrain is never just what's in front of you. It's everything that's going on around you. Yeah. And if I'm moving faster than I can manage, then that's when I create most of the confusion and a lot of times the messes that I make in my life. Yeah. Because the the terrain is controlling me. I'm not paying attention. You ever had a time when you tripped over something just because you weren't paying attention? I wish I could say no, but yes. <laughs> well, we're, we've we've all been there. I mean, uh, because we we tend not to pay attention to the pace of our life. And it goes back to how we started. Uh, a big part of pace is what I believe about myself. Mm. Uh, a big part of pace is what I've committed my life to. Say more. Say more about that in terms of of what you mean by those last two statements, because I want to be really clear and have our audience be really clear. Well, the stronger my belief the more confidence I have in myself. And the more confidence I have in myself, the more focused I am in my life. The opposite of focus is scattered. And when we're scattered, we don't know where to start. We don't know what to touch first. So what am I? I I'm, I'm, I'm running here, I'm running there, I'm running there. And, and one of the things that, that um, I, I, I work with people on this, you know, What's on your plate? What do you have? And most people, they don't have just a plate. They have the whole set of china spread out. Uh, I've got a gentleman that I'm working with right now, and we'll have a conversation next Monday. And he told me, he says, I'm exhausted. And I said, why? He said, because I just, I don't know where to start. And if I don't know where to start, then I don't know where the end is. And let me define the word exhaustion for you. This is, I think, an interesting definition. It's mine. The depletion of energy to the point that your inner reservoir doesn't have the reserve to draw from when you need that extra push. Wow. I mean, we've all we've all had times when we've been moving so fast, we've overwhelmed ourselves. Mm-hmm. We've been moving so fast, we don't have time to replenish. And Pace is about providing your life with time to replenish. Absolutely. I mean, you've been there. I've been there. People who are listening have been there. We just get up one day and we just say, I am just really exhausted. Yeah. And when you look at your life, why are you exhausted? Because you're trying to cram three days into one. And a big part of that is because procrastination has caught up with us. 
Yeah, I'm, my mind is racing with all the things that I've got on my plate. I've been working through this stack of notes that I've got, and 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 I and I think to myself, I'm a procrastinator. In fact, I'm not actually a procrastinator. I put a lot on my plate, and then I try to maneuver what I'm going to do when. But it feels to me like I'm a procrastinator because instead of doing X or Y or Z. I should A through H through, you know. So are you a collector of things you need to get done? Do you, I mean, is that your day? Do you, you, you start your day with a collection of things you want to get done that day? On my agenda, on my, on my daily planner, I've got what my schedule is. And then I've got, I've got a list of things that I tick off of. You know, I have creative time when I'm sitting in my outer office, actually, and I'm and I'm and I'm looking out the window and I'm thinking and I'm dreaming and I'm envisioning and I'm meditating and I'm praying. I mean it's a, it's a it's a shift between those things the first couple hours of, of a day. And I and I put my intentions out there for what it is I need to do. And not everything is gonna get accomplished in one day. I eventually get to everything and and when on the rare occasion I pull out, I mean, really, it's a rare occasion. I pull out something, I go, I was wondering where that idea went, <laughs> where that list went. When I lay out my day, yeah. I lay it out in three categories. Yeah. Category number one, which is the most important, things that I have to get done today. Yep. Okay? Yep. And I never put more than three on the list. Because the, I believe the human mind sees in threes, it sees in triangles. Yeah. Okay. And then my second, my second list is things I need to get done today. I don't have to get this done today, but if the time is there, I'll pull one of the three off. And then uh, my third is things that I, uh, I, I, I want to do, or, and these are things that are fun things to me. Have to, need to, want to. Like on my want to list for today is I want to go hit golf balls. Yeah. Okay. And that to me, that's a reward time. Yeah. If I if I if I get my have to, because I don't have a choice. This has to be done today. Okay. And then I come over here to my need to, you know, and I look at that and I understand the timeline I have with that. But I try every day to make sure that I have to, I have time to do at least one thing that I want to do. You know what? I lied. I lied to myself, and so oh, I. No. <laughs> because I'm thinking, oh no, I have things on my have to list that I keep pushing over and putting pushing them over. I don't want to. You have to. I don't want to. You have to. So, uh, yes, I'm a, oh, my Lord have mercy. I am a procrastinator. That's terrible. Well, and one of the reasons that we force ourselves to procrastinate is the lack of a controlled pace. How many times have we taken something that we have to get done? And just what you said, I don't feel like doing this today. Yeah. So I, I, I move it to tomorrow. What have I actually done? I've taken a had to 
and created a, a, a middle point of collision for myself. And to procrastinate, you have to give yourself permission. No. Is there a cure, doctor? Uh, yes, uh, there is a cure. <laughs> okay. And, and the cure is called honesty. Well, okay. There I was. There I just did it. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it's amazing when, when we don't understand the power of pace. And by the way, let me just share this with people. Yeah. How do you know when your pace is moving too fast? You're not getting... I found, I found four things with people. Okay. Their patience grows thin when things actually don't happen on their timetable. And second thing, they always seem to be living with a sense of urgency. Everything is a crisis and everything has to be done now. <laughs> and the third thing is uh, confusion generally comes before clarity. And, and then the last thing is when when you're living with your pace uncontrollable, uh, your energy is a roller coaster. Oh, yeah. I mean, when we complete something, we feel good, we're energized. But when we move it to procrastination, then all of a sudden it sucks energy out of us. And then we look at what we should have done yesterday because we procrastinated, moved it over to today, and we tell ourselves, man, I, I, should have, I should have done that yesterday. Yeah, right, exactly, exactly. <clears throat> yeah, they, you know, there's just some things I don't want to do. But then that raises the big question, why? Why don't you want to do them? They make me feel uncomfortable. Okay. But that that raises another question. Why do they make you uncomfortable? I can go on all day long with these why questions. I know. I love it. I used to do that as a child. As a matter of fact, it was like the first technique I found to be fascinating with people. It's probably the origins of my going into my profession. So, you know, the things that the things that I think we procrastinate about are where we have taken whatever that item is and we've and we've and we've created anxiety, right? Which is running forward in unknown terrain, getting to the end of the story, putting a negative outcome on it, and then you're anxious and and, and uncomfortable with it. So you go I, you know what? I'm just not gonna. I'm. I, I'm going. I'm going to the right here. I'm not going on that path to the left. And it's. You know what? Now that I'm saying it out loud, it's really. It's. It's heinous. It's hideous. Is it possible that the things we procrastinate with are the things we're not passionate about? Um. I'm hesitating because I'm thinking to myself, actually, there's the outcomes I'm passionate about, you know, like I want the outcome that I want. I just know that given where I'm sitting and what the, anything I procrastinate about seems like an obstacle. And so it's like. You make, you make it one. Procrastination creates obstacles <laughs> because to procrastinate, I have to justify. Yeah. Did you say obstacle or popsicle? I said obstacle. 
I uh, was... A popsicle was something I lick. An <laughs> obstacle is something that I don't lick. No, yeah, no, right, exactly. As a matter of fact, the obstacle can lick you right upside the head. Um, that's interesting. So when you are working with your students, with your mentees, you walk them through the questions of why. Well, what I want to know, what are your what are your top three struggles in your life right now? Okay. And why are you struggling with this? Most of the time, you know, they're struggling with it because it's not something that's really on the path that they're wanting to walk. But every time you and I procrastinate, it creates a detour. You're going to use a lot more gas. Yeah. Completion keeps the terrain manageable. Detours take us in uncharted territory. Mm. You know, many times a detour is a surprise to your mind. It's not ready for it. So your mind goes, hey, why are you doing this to me? And your emotions go because we want to. <laughs> That's so true. Well, and, and Debbie brings another word into play here, and the word is choice. Yeah. I mean, don't we don't we choose everything we do? We do. However, and here I'm really eager to hear your your commentary back about this one. Okay, choice, but are we being driven by our conscious mind or are we letting unconscious things come in there and we're doing things and we don't even know why in the world did I do that? So many of my choices are driven by my pace. You know what? You just nailed it. That's absolutely it because... (laughs) If you're really at the pace that's healthy... Mm -hmm. You're being discerning and contemplative about what it is that's right. See, this is one pace to me. Like I told you before, we come on, we came on the air. Uh, pace to me is in my top five most important words in life. Most important word in life to me is love. Yes, I and agree. Second most important word in my life is uh, resilience. Yep. Which I, which is a powerful word for me. Very. And then my third most important word is pace. Okay. Okay. What are the other two? Confidence. Yeah. Okay. And behavior. I thought you were going to leave me hanging there. I'm sorry? I thought you were going to be leaving me hanging there. I started to. (laughs) Thank you. The cliffhanger. I couldn't stand it. So... I, I really I really love that we're having this conversation because um, how often do people go from intentional to autopilot? And, and isn't a lot of that controlled by their pace? Absolutely. Absolutely. Are, are you calmer when you're managing your life or when your mind, your life is managing you? <laughs> you only get one guess. Absolutely, when I'm managing my life. Do you have more clarity when you're managing your life or your life is managing you? 
Absolutely, when I'm managing my life. Have you ever made your life difficult or made a day of your life difficult because you were moving faster than you can manage? I have made many days of my life miserable and made enormous mistakes, errors, misjudgments because my pace was so off that actually I I knew I knew there's we always know what we're doing actually. But you hear it and you turn the volume down on your inner voice and argue and say, No, no, I'm doing this. I'm doing this thing. All right. Let me play psychologist for a moment. Okay. <laughs> so many times. Yeah. The pace is our of our life becomes our enemy when we relinquish control of our life to other people. Oh dear God, that is one hundred percent. That is really that that really boy. You what kind of coffee did you have this morning? Uh, dark roast. <laughs> um, that is so spot on because really, when when I'm sitting here and I'm reflecting about my life or I'm reflecting about people that I work with and I see what it is that's happened in their life that drove them to want me to be helpful to them. It is exactly that. It is, it is not being, and it's all the things that you're talking about. It's not having love that is self-love. It is not having resilience to recover from what landed you in that spot. It's it's having your pace be way out of control, and the terrain is so much of a challenge. How could you possibly have confidence? You can't have confidence because you've landed in the space of despair and anxiety, and so your behavior is going to reflect all of that. All right, let's take this down one more level. Please. Okay. Anytime a person comes to me, and they're bringing me their problems. Yeah. If I buy into the word problem, I've given them control. Yep, I agree with you 100%. This is why I never let people bring me a problem. If it's a problem, what they're asking me to do is fix their life. Mm -hmm. If they bring me a concern, what they're asking me to help them do is to become a guide in their life. The challenge with most people is that their problems are the result of their pace being too fast, and they don't pay attention to the behavior that they're bringing. I think that that I'm sitting here looking at our entire country and seeing that this is a national theme. Well, and, and this is what I, you know, I keep talking about. There's agendas behind the agenda. And I think one of those agendas that's behind the agenda is to scare the hell out of people and to make fear the guiding force. And if they do that, then what happens to pace? It speeds up. And as the pace speeds up, I become someone who will relinquish control of my life. Yes, for two reasons. Number one, you're terrified. Oh, my gosh, just help me out of this. Just help me. I'll do whatever. Plus, I'm exhausted. I can't. I don't have the energy. And so, yes, people relinquish, relinquish. 
And in in that that's really that that is heartbreaking to me. Let me let me share this. Yeah. And maybe next week we could really deal with this because I'd like for us to continue this conversation and deal with all the different ramifications of of the loss of taste. Okay. Because one of the big repercussions to not being able to manage your pace is being exhausted. Yep, 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 yep. Okay, so, and we can come back and talk about this at a later date, but let me, let me just share what I think an exhausted life looks like. And it's a checklist. Mm. Okay? Everything looks stressful. Mm-hmm. Okay, number two, you exhale tired air. I mean, every time you breathe, you're just, you, it, it just wears you out. Uh, has a plan, but doesn't have the energy to get to it. Always has a fire to fight. Mm. Uh, unable to summon energy when they need it. Staring at what needs stronger than focusing on what can. Say it again. Staring at what needs to get done. And that becomes stronger than your focus on what I can do right now. Okay. Uh, time becomes an enemy. Isn't that sad? Yeah, and then two more. Uh, an endless circle seems to be your plan. You live in the circle of sameness. Okay. And then the last one is that discipline has gone by the wayside. It's hard to be disciplined when you can't manage your life. So would you say that uh, any of those are true about you right now? I, I think actually that over the course of 2020, um, I can see various, various points in my life where that would define me. That would just not define me, describe where I was lost. I would say that I am I am not there at this point in time, but you've also watched me transition from being in a very uncomfortable place, um, something that I was taking hold of and managing. And um, it takes a while to regain your footing. It takes a while to regain your footing literally and in your mind and in your heart. And, and to get synchrony between your mind and your heart. But I feel, um, I feel wonderful and grounded, even in the midst of where the country is and the world is, because I have, I have, I have been disciplined and put so many pieces of my life into, no, I have been disciplined at looking at my life and looking at the pieces of it, the the sections that are important that I need to need to and want to and have to, all of those things, really take a look at and get into good order. And so I have I have a plan. And and for those reasons, it's it's very interesting to me over the last maybe you know, maybe through the month of December and and probably walking into Thanksgiving, the way that I felt shifting and in my mind and in my heart and then in my behaviors. 
And and for me, the holidays are really sacred for a lot of different reasons. Some religious, some familial, all of them about um, lifestyle and choices and faith and 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 well-being and 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 seeing that even in despair, I I keep sowing seeds because I'm an optimist in my core and I have deep faith and, 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 you know, faith and fear don't reside together in the same being. If you have faith, your fear dissipates because you keep exercising your faith. So in doing that, I'm seeing the, the beauty of my efforts. Even when I was sitting in the middle of a pace that, I needed to gain control over. Well, let me say a couple of things to what you're saying, because I, I think there's, a, there's, a, there's some real valid thoughts here. You know, you, you talked about the Simon and Garfunkel song. Uh, there's another song that says, looking for love in all the wrong places. <laughs> I've changed one word, looking for life in all the wrong places. Yes, yes. And I think that's what's been happening. Yeah. And again, I'm going to go back to my agenda behind the agenda, because Thanksgiving to January 2nd is all about family. Yeah. It's about connection. It's about being together. It's about being able to be around the people that you love and you care about. And this is why I think that we saw all of the emphasis placed on disconnect from the right before Thanksgiving to the present. Because we didn't want people to get together. Yeah. We didn't want people to be able to celebrate life. And so what happened? Uh, lockdowns. Uh, numbers were thrown at us. Oh, yeah. And all this was about was saying you can't be around family. You can't have that social connection. You know, when God made us, he made us as social creatures. We need connection with people. That's right, we do. We need a connection that's not just done through Zoom. We need to be able to stand by each other. We need to be able to physically look each other in the eyes. We need to physically be able to hug each other. Absolutely. And we're 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 taking that away under the disguise of the virus. You know my masseuse buddy, I I love this guy to death. I mean he is uh He's probably one of the best minds I've been around that has researched uh, how the human body operates. And, you know, we were talking about the mask. Mm -hmm. And he said, the mask is one of the reasons that we're spreading the virus. Because the human body needs, (laughs) it, it, it it can heal itself, it can operate. But what we're doing is we're married, wearing these masks, and you and I talked about this. Uh, I think we're headed down the road within the next couple of years. There's going to be a tremendous amount of, of breathing problems with people because we are exhaling that carbon dioxide. We're breathing it right back in. And the human body is prepared. You know, isn't it amazing? He was talking about that he he used to work in Hollywood. He produced films. Mm. And they were in Thailand, and they were doing this with Robin Leach. They were doing this this film. 
and they were researching all these people who lived in these uh, these little huts. They lived on the ground. Yeah. And uh, they never seemed to be sick. Yeah, they were grounding. Yeah. Well, they lived in a world of germs, and their body took care of the germs. They were also getting energy from the earth, going yeah. barefoot, not you know not not soling up the bottoms of their feet for all the comfort, which is lovely, but grounding is and earthing is a huge benefit. And, and you know, re, really breathing in fresh oxygen and moisture. And yeah, that, I mean, I've been saying since last December, a year ago in 2019, it is not the germ of the virus that concerns me. It is the social psychological game warfare that's going to be launched, that was launched as soon as you saw the footage out of China with people in massive lockdown. My reaction to that was massive lockdown. And and I just thought the, the tsunami that's going to hit America, the tsunami that's going to wash over the world, of course you can't let people get together because what happens when people get together? They have power, they have strength, they have confidence, they feel their resilience. They feel all the things that you listed there. They're no longer afraid. Why do we want to go home again? Because the, all the stress dissipates and we become unfeared, you know. And so if you allowed people to get together, I mean, what are we doing with the elders in our world? What are we doing with the elders in America? Get rid of them because they are sage wisdom and they are also witnesses. Well, you can't have witnesses to this horribleness that's going on. You got to get rid of the witnesses. They'll remind you of things like World War II and what happened and and Cuba. And, you know, I mean, the the world of manipulation that is taking place is is insane and mean-spirited and hateful. The way that people have been put into into a position of fear is really mean-spirited. It brings me to tears how mean-spirited it is. The other part of this is I I also have been saying from the outset of these masks, one of our other co-hosts and I were on the air and he said, these are face diapers, you know, we're, 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 we're excreting and breathing in what we're supposed to be getting rid of. And, and I said, yeah, this is going to lead to all sorts of oral cavity problems, breathing problems, esophageal problems, digestive issue problems. Breathing is essential, and, and it's being impaired. And we see if we put, it, if we put CO2, you know, uh, I mean, uh, oximeters, pulse oximeters on people's fingers while they're wearing these masks, for the good of everybody else, I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it for you. Really? Don't suffocate yourself on my behalf. Don't lower your O2 levels. We have brain fog. I mean, your brain needs oxygen. Your whole body needs oxygen. This is an insanity. And now, and as soon as people started making pretty ones, I thought, well, now that it's a fashion statement, we're really in trouble. You know, you look at people and they've got a mask for every outfit. And we also had all these ladies around the world who were saying, oh, I know what I'll do. I'm going to take all these old T-shirts and rags and turn them into masks. Great. That's real sanitary. And then we get we get photographs from different factories around the world where they're making these masks, and it's filthy, disgusting. 
So on top of this being a disgusting practice, this mask, the manufacturing of them is really disgusting. Then people are going after the ones that they hear that surgeons wear in the OR. Okay, guess what? What happens in the operating rooms? They have somebody wiping their brow for the sweat and changing that mask like every 11 minutes, not wearing them for, you know, days and months. I've got my mask. It's sacred. I've learned how to clean it. Okay, well, I'm glad you're such an expert at this. Say goodbye to your whole world. I obviously am very heated up about this subject. And then to see them on children, I was disgusted over the holidays, and I tried to to, to relate back on posts when I saw people who I know and love with their families, with their grandchildren, they're all masked. And I'd say, really, are the, ch- the children are masked? Everybody's masked? Well, you know, taking all this back to pace, do you think that pace and stress are related? Well, given that I just escalated my pace because I'm stressed out, <laughs> I would have to be the obvious yes. <laughs> what a great segue into that <laughs> What a great setup. <laughs> that was perfect. What did you do? Pull the string on the back of my neck and I just went. <laughs> but you know, you know, that's that's it. I mean, as when when you can't manage your life, you can't manage your stress. Right. And I think this is one of the things we're seeing today. Uh is about how the stress leveling people, you know, Buddy was talking about today. So many of the people that are coming to him, he can he can just feel the tension in their body, the stress in their body. Oh yeah. Because the body collects stress. Yes, it does. Yeah, and I'll put a plug in for here uh, about my book, The Truth About Stress. Oh, I love it. Yeah, and one of the things we talk about in here is how to balance the pace of your life with the rooms of your life, because we all live in four rooms, business, family, social, and personal. And how do you balance the pace of your life? Because if one room of my life is out of control, it's going to affect the other rooms of my life. Because life, we're interconnected uh, with our total life. Uh, And if anybody's interested in the book, if they go to richardflint.com backslash stress, everything is there about the book. Uh, it's a great book. It was the, it was actually the first book I wrote. Is it really? And the hardest part of writing this book was defining the word stress. I mean, I found 127 different definitions to the word, and I was stressed out by the time I, <laughs> I went through all of them. So I took the stress out of it, and I, I wrote my own definition of stress, which is stress is anything in life that makes you uptight. Oh yeah, and literally and figuratively. Mm-hmm. And it's not about eliminating stress. If anyone ever comes to your life and tells you, Deb, you need to get all the stress out of your life, they want you dead. I know. Because if I could take all the stress out of your life, you'd be good. It's insane. It's insane. So people think that stress is their enemy. There's a reason why we talk about managing it, and there's a reason that we talk. I talk about leveraging it. I was, on a, I was on a platform doing a presentation, and I had somebody in the audience say, hey, hey, excuse me, so um, can you prescribe medication? And I said, I prescribe all kinds of things. And they said, well, like, what do you prescribe? 
I mean, it's sort of like a hippie kind of a guy. <laughs> it's funny. And I said, um, well, for one thing, LSD. And the audience went, what? LSD? And I said, yeah. And they said, what do you mean? And I said, well, just imagine the hallucination when you realize that you can learn to leverage stress daily. Well, LSD to me means loose, stupid desires. <laughs> this is leveraging stress daily. I mean, leverage it. You know, if you've got stress in your life, when you when you leverage it, you know, it's like trying to move a boulder. You know, you get out a crowbar and you leverage that and you move that boulder. So if I control the pace in my life, can that can that also be a part of me learning to control the pace of my life? Did you just say if I could control the pace of my life, is that learning to control the pace of my life? If I could learn to control the stress in my life. Yeah. Would that allow me also to control the stress in my life? Miraculously. Everything just keeps coming back to this word pace. I wonder why. Um, I think it's on your agenda. <laughs> because it's such a core value. Because it's at the middle. It's like the hub of the wheel. Yeah. It's, it's you know, it's one of the love that keeps your life together. Wait a second. You have five words you love, and it's right smack in the middle. Yeah. That's by design. Oh, my goodness. You think so? <laughs> it takes me a while to catch on some of the time, but I do. I've arrived. I'm there. The hub of pace. Your pace is at the hub of your life. And that wheel is not going to go round and round if that hub is off, you know? That's why people get wrapped around the axle. Yeah, well, uh, and, it, and I think I'm writing this. In most cars, there's five lug nuts on a wheel. Okay. Okay? So if my lug nut of love is loose oh. or my lug nut of resilience is weak, if my lug nut of pace is, is loose, and then my behavior is out of control, uh, I, I, I'm going to do damage at some point because the whole thing's going to fall apart. Yeah, it will. That's right. Because the wheel's going to fall off and you're going to crash. You mm -hmm. have, you know, it's amazing to me the ways in which we have, we have to learn about balance. And if we watch children, they're always learning about balance so that they can really walk, right? Well, you know what's interesting? Children are born with love. Absolutely. I think children are born with a spirit of resilience. Mm -hmm. Certainly are. Little innocent beings. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I was watching uh, Denise was on my staff. Her, her son is married and they have a little, uh, a little one. And when we were at their house for Christmas, uh, I was watching Daniel and Kaylee. And their little one uh, would take off walking and she would fall down. Yeah. And they wouldn't run over and, and pick her up. Yeah. They would just let her get up on her own. Oh. And she'd bump her head and they wouldn't run over and pick her up. They would let her get up. Yeah. Confidence and, building. Yeah. What they're teaching her is how to manage your life. Yeah. Yeah. They were teaching her resilience, lack of fear, leading to confidence. That's beautiful. Absolutely. 
do you think we're living in a world where uh, we're becoming chicken little? The sky's falling. The sky's falling. Yeah. And everything today has a, a, almost has a woe factor to it, and we we've seen to lost the wow of life. Well, I think in pockets we have, and I think that the concern factor has escalated into a serious generalized anxiety that's, that you can look at the pharmaceutical industry and see that a huge segment of our population is, is being prescribed and taking these anti-anxiety medications, which um, are okay in extreme circumstances for short defined amount periods of time. But when people are taking these things and they are just um, not understanding the things that we're talking about, we have to, we really, Richard, we need to be continuing to talk about this. This is so important, especially right now. And excuse me, I, I, I really am an optimist with extreme faith, unshakable faith, but, but I also have a knowing, as do you. And for 2020, for people to be wishing it goodbye, and that was the worst, be careful what you say, because all we're doing is turning the page on the calendar. It's not a magical entry into a new land. When you woke up on the first, did you look different when you looked into the mirror? Were all the stressors dissipated? Had the world opened up? Did the vaccination disappear? No, none of that happened. And so... We need to we need to really focus people on be here now and be well now, and here are the tools for it. Essential, oh. essential. Yeah, be smart. Be smart. Be smart. We're smart. Yeah, and uh, you know, and don't just blindly accept everything that's said. Uh, slow down. Look at your life. Mm-hmm. And who is managing your life right now? Are you managing your life? Are, are the outside forces managing your life for you? And more and more what I'm seeing is that the outside forces are managing people's lives. Yeah, and that. it's managing them through fear. Now, you and I both know there's a lot of people out there that would disagree with what we're talking about. My hope is that anybody who hears what we're talking about allows in the privacy of their own self, in their own private listening capacity, to allow our absolutely loving energy and desire for humanity and humanity's well-being overall and individually to be held out as sacred. You know, maybe we have multiple lives, but this is the only one I know that I get. So I want to do things with it that are really meaningful and I want to be healthy enough to keep pace with it. I want to be healthy enough to enjoy it, to recognize it, to live it, to breathe it. But what, what I want for people is I want people to wake up. Um, it's like so many people today are living in a coma. And uh, the outside forces are providing them with their life support. And so what's happening is they're depending on the external factors to give them life. Rather than trusting and believing in their self, 
And taking that deep breath about life and looking at your life and asking yourself, what do I really want for my life? And am I in control of my life or am I giving control of my life away? I mean, the, you and I know this. The, me, the media is about controlling people's lives. Yeah, it really is. Because if I can control your emotions, I can control your life. Because I can keep you on a roller coaster. And if I'm living from my emotions up, then I'm depending on an external force to plan my life for me. And I can't change the world, but I sure can affect the corner of the world that I have. Yeah. And that's my that's one of my big commitments to 2021 is to control my corner of the world and to come and be a source of clarity, a source of information, a source of value to the people who want to stand along beside me. And together, let's, let's, let's work on the pace of our life. And let's make sure that this is, you know, this is my life. And my pace is allowing me to manage my life rather than turning the pace of my life, control of my life, over to the outside forces. Uh, but to do that, you you got to be strong within yourself. You really do. Well, we've, we've got like two minutes left, and I'd like to thank you for this episode today. It was enlightening and... and um, interesting and, and, and inspiring and really, I think, gave us really strong foundation for what we want to do for the month of January. And can, I, can, I quickly, can I quickly plug my two virtual seminars that are coming up? Please. Uh, on the, uh, the 9th of January, uh, Turning Your Goals into Gold, and the most innovative discussion on goal setting anyone has ever been a part of. And that's at what and time? 10 a.m. on Saturday, the, uh, the 16th. It's the 16th. Okay. So that's if, a, if you go to Richard Flint Live, it's there. And then on the 30th, having the greatest year of your life, an actual process that will allow you to manage your life to the pathway of success that you want. Uh, Richard Flint Live gives you all the information. Well, I have got you on the calendar and and we will talk about that. And by the way, friends, um, starting the next show, we will have an invite for you to join us in here so that we can build an audience for our show that's actually visual. And we'll look forward to doing that. And we'll also um, we'll explore the idea of how best we market that. And we'll get we'll get that out to you all. So that'll be cool. Yeah, because we'd like to we'd like to be able to chat with you, uh, and so we will always leave some leave time uh, for us to answer any questions or let you let you chat with us about what we're talking about, because uh, I, I think it's I think it's important that we be able to share. I agree. All right. Well, on that note, friends, peace out. This is your host, Dr. Deb Carlin, and my other host. Mr. Richard Flint. Bye-bye. Bye. (laughs) See ya. Okay. There's something that happened.
had a recording of 15 minutes in. So what I have to do is, is, so it's not a problem. I don't worry about it. We get all the mojo of the exposure. I just have to, after I render this, I have to go back in, turn the recording of this into an MP3, take down the recording that Blog Talk Radio has up there and replace it with this one. But why did they do that? I don't know, but you know what? I complained about them a whole bunch. Then they got a whole lot better. So I'm thinking, okay. Well, shame on them for doing that to us because we're just so powerful.